0: At Philae, at Spiritus Sancti, we are gathered here before the Almighty to lay to rest our dearly departed until certain resurrection and eternal life to our Lord. We commend to the almighty our departed, and we commit his body to the ground. We came from the earth. We shall return to the earth. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. May God
1: have mercy
0: on your earth. Saints and sinners alike, (laughs) greetings and welcome to the witching hour. Okay, you paranormal maniacs chosen ones who have been blessed by the night, the witching hour is upon us, and we have a nice creepy one for you this evening. But first, I have a question for you. would you say to the dead? Well, I'm not too sure, but whatever it is, I would not want to say it to them inside of a haunted medieval witch prison. I mean, would you? Think, think about that phrase for a second. Haunted medieval witch prison. What sort of images and feelings does that conjure up? It's eerie as hell, isn't it? Well, uh, tonight we'll be speaking with Vanessa Mitchell, who just happens to own a house in England that hundreds of years ago, in the 16th century, in fact, was a witch prison. The house, which is commonly called the Cage, is still owned by Vanessa, although she's no longer living there. Um, early on, though, however, she, she did spend several years living in the Cage, and, and she had many terrifying experiences. So, uh, together with paranormal investigator Richard E. Estep, wrote a book titled Spirits of the Cage. True Accounts of Living in a Haunted Medieval Prison. So, uh, Vanessa is here to discuss just that with us, but, uh, also joining us tonight is June Lundgren. June is a psychic medium who specializes in the removal of negative energy. And she, um, she's helped Vanessa in the battle against, uh, the darker forces that lurk within there in the walls of the cage. But, uh, June's special abilities are quite different from that of others with psychic abilities. She, um... Well, she's going to talk to us about her unique gifts and the source of them, and believe me, her story is something very special here. So, with all this going on tonight, I thought it uh, would be a good idea to have a little help here on my end. So, I asked my friend and past guest of the Witching Hour, Allison Jornland, to come in and uh, co-host with me tonight. And so, uh, Allison's here with us. I-, I heard back from many of you, and you know how much you enjoyed hearing her, and I think she's just absolutely wonderful, and she's a huge credit to the paranormal field. and so she's here to talk uh, with Vanessa and June with us tonight. So uh why don't we do this then, okay? Okay, Vanessa and June, thank you so much for joining us here today to talk about this uh horrific ordeal Vanessa went through. Um it's a very intense story and uh I was feeling I might need some backup on this end. So I, I asked a friend of mine, Allison, to uh to come help me out, so please say hello to Allison.
2: Hi hello. everyone, hello, thank thanks for having me. I'm Allison Jorlin from MilwaukeeGhost.com, and, and right. I have an interest in this kind of thing as well.
0: Cool. She's been investigating for over 20 years, so she, she fits right in. Okay, and uh, June, I know your, your part in Vanessa's story pretty much starts after the events in the book, uh, Spirits of the Cage. Right. But uh, as we're discussing the events leading up to where you do enter, Uh, you know, jump in any time with any insight or comments, you know, any views you might have on the details. Uh, But before that, would you like to tell us a a little about yourself and your, you know, your unique abilities
1: and... Um, I'm a psychic medium. Um, I'm an uh, animal communicator. I have healing abilities and an international author. Um, I was born this way (laughs) and have been helping people for, you know, 50 years. Maybe you can
0: help my cat. Maybe you could tell it to shut the hell up at 3 in the morning.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> my cat is bothering me right now as we speak. Oh, there you go. Walking on the keyboard. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, whenever whenever I'm on with somebody, their animals kind of like to come and see what's going on and they kind of come to me.
0: Mine's locked out of the studio right now, so I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh,
1: you know, Vanessa, if you, if,
0: can we start with a, a, a brief background, maybe first of, of St. uh village? Uh, it's, yeah,
3: it's it's St. Ozith.
0: Ozith, yes. And
3: it's um, a very, very ancient um, village um, in Essex, in England um, on the East Coast. Um, the village dates back, I don't know, you know, when there's only three numbers in the year, that's how old it is. Um, It's in the Doomsday book, it's actually quite, it's a very historical little village, extremely haunted, extreme history, lots of violent, um, horrific history, we got raided by the Vikings um you know it it really is uh an english you know village packed packed full of history and it's beautiful it's a stunning village we have a huge priory called saint Ozith priory and everything is just really really old the houses are six seven hundred years old a lot of them so yeah it's certainly seen seen a lot over the years
0: oh yeah well all of england has a brutal history um yeah the, the lore surrounding oseth herself um That's an incredible story on its own. She was uh, executed by the Vikings, correct? They beheaded her.
3: She she was beheaded by the Vikings because, of course, she wouldn't deny her her religion. Right. And it was said that when she was beheaded, she rose up, picked up her head, and walked to the village church and knocked three times. And there's when she dropped her head and died. Um, So, yeah, but she was also yeah but she was also from a small child she was performing miracles she was brought up by nuns so she was actually I suppose in those days you could say famous when she was a small girl she was special chosen from God and it just kind of played out and carry on as an adult um when um when she was buried many people would travel from all over the country to be healed at her graveside nobody knows now where her actual grave is I'm sure some people do but it's not common knowledge because she was moved but um, because she became a martyr, um, they renamed the village Saint Ozith because obviously her name was Ozith, um, and so wow. now that that's how we've got our village name, Saint Ozith after her.
0: Has Has anyone in modern times on the, on the anniversary on her day has anyone seen her her ghost with her head wandering? To well, her? she is.
3: She is supposed to walk on the anniversary in October, and you see her go along Colchester Road, which, funny enough, is the same road as where the cage is, right. and over to the village church. Um, I don't know personally anyone that's seen her, but the legend has it. She's been seen lots of times.
0: Well, yeah, that's a hell of a story. I, I love that that lore, that tale there. Um, yeah. Okay, I guess we can Yeah,
3: do- I, I just
2: want to jump in and say, you know, I mean, if you want to make an impression on the Vikings... That's how to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. She's I mean, just like, you're going to cut off my head. I'm going to pick it up and take a little stroll. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> pick
0: yourself up and dust yourself off. <laughs> right. That's yeah.
3: awesome.
0: That is, is
3: awesome. Listen, as English women, listen, this is what we do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great. Um, okay, I guess, okay, we could jump ahead now a little bit to the 1500s. Um Ursula Kemp, living in the village.
3: Yeah, Ursula Kemp, she was a she was a healer. She um, had a son. She was a single parent. And she would um, make money by doing spells and healing and various potions. She was actually taught and guided by um, a, an old crone, as they would call it, in Wheelie Woods. The village next to us, who, who taught Ursula a lot of skills as a as a, a young child, um, or or as a you know as a as an older girl really, rather than a young child. But Ursula from a young child, I suppose, had the gift. Now there was she she used to heal the villagers, and in those days in Saint Osyth, there would only have been about three hundred and fifty people living in the village. Um, so you know, everyone pretty much knew everyone. Um. And she she'd basically done some healing and done some work for one lady in particular, and Ursula said, "Okay, fine, I'll, I'll do this. I'll heal you from her lameness if you pay me a penny or something equivalent to a penny." Well, Ursula healed her, and the lady wouldn't pay her. Anyway, so time went on. The lady had a baby, and Ursula was actually a, a wet nurse as well. And then um, the the lady said, "My baby's ill. Can you heal my baby?" and do my lameness again, and Ursula said, yeah, okay, fine, but this time, you, you know, this is my words, of course, not old English words, but this time you need to pay me. Well, yet again, the lady didn't pay her. And then Ursula said, well, I'll take cheese. I'll, I'll take cheese instead of money. The lady refused, so um, a little while afterwards, there was an argument and between Ursula and the lady, and the baby, the lady's baby, fell from its crib and died. Oh. Now, then the lady accused Ursula that it was a curse, she'd killed the baby, which which of course wouldn't happen because Ursula was in it to help. She wasn't one of those type of witches, you know, she wasn't a, a nasty woman.
0: Right, if anything, um, she was a white witch, I would say.
3: Yeah, I think she was a healer. You know, right. she had the abilities, I don't know. I mean, of course, in the old days, they were classed as witches. Um, I just think she's a lovely lady who was a good person trying to help, who obviously had abilities. Um of healing and, and and most probably psychic abilities so ursula um was accused they went to the lady went to the lord of the priory the top man of saint joseph priory now in those days queen elizabeth king henry's daughter would visit the priory and um it was the time the witch rolls, and she said to the two brothers in in, in the prior you know basically Queen Elizabeth favoured one brother of the Darcy's over the other one, so the younger brother thought, right, I need more favour with the Queen, I'm going to get as many witches as I can, so he basically, he got Ursula, and she was taken over to the Priory, and we know all this because it's the most famous case in this country, because he wanted all this to get back to Queen Elizabeth, everything that was said was written down, and we still have that now. So it's not like your normal witch case where it wouldn't have been written down because, of course, this is for a reason to have favour with Queen Elizabeth. Right. So um, they basically said to her, we're, we're going to get you anyway. They'd already captured her son, Tom, who was six at the time. And so when she went to trial, she actually had to confess, yeah, yes, I am a witch. Her son, Tom, stood up in the court and said, yes, she has familiars. They drink blood from her body. I have seen her shapeshift, you know. He, but he had he had to say that because he was probably he, he would have got executed himself. Right. So basically, it was her son's, along with the other accusations. It was her son's testimony that eventually had a guilty verdict. But Ursula said, "Well, if I'm going down," and she took twelve other village women with her, and she said, "Right, well, that's a bad one. That's a bad one." So, um, hence that th- they were kept in the cage. My. Former home um, before they were taken off to be executed, to be hung. Right. So Ursula was hung along with some other of the women. Some of them died in prison. Some of them actually were found innocent. Um, we don't know what happened to Ursula's son Tom, but of course in those days he, it was in a small village. He was the son of a witch. He would have he probably starved to death. Nobody would oh, have yeah. looked after him. So we don't really know what happened to him. But and we we also don't know where Ursula was hung. Now, traditionally, it would have been back to the village as a warning to other people, but we don't really know anything more than that because, of course, after the job was done and she was captured, he didn't feel the need to record anything else because Queen Elizabeth got to know about it, so to him, his job was done. So nobody really knows what happened to her in the end, her body. That's tragic. Mm.
0: And um, was that... Okay, the cage, was it... It was already... uh, It was like a village jail already right at that time and then they just yeah. Need, yeah
3: and it would have been used for you know children stealing um a pheasant from the priory lands um for, for anything at all it was a medieval prison so you could imagine what would have gone on in there oh gosh, but it yeah. was used it's uh, famous for ursula kemp being in prison there and the other witches but it would have been used for lots and lots of people over the years
0: when you look at the pictures, I know there's some pictures in the book and, of course, online everywhere. Um, It does not look like what you would imagine for a haunted house, you know, a haunted prison. It looks, you know, kind of cozy and charming.
3: Yeah, well, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah. I mean,
3: <laughs> it's, uh, I, 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 my childhood house was actually up that road. And so I looked at it. And, and for some reason, just on the right time, the right day, the right place, it came up for sale. And, and I brought it. But I certainly didn't. Number one, I didn't research the history. All I'm telling you now, I didn't know at the time. Um, there's a plaque on the outside saying Ursula Kemp was in prison there. That's literally as much as I knew what it said on the plaque. I didn't research it. I don't know why, but I was just so tunnel visioned about buying it. For some reason, I didn't really look into the history. Now, that's unusual for me, because I've seen the dead and the spirits, since a small girl. And I understand a haunting, but for some reason, I didn't. I just had to have a house, had to have the house, and against great odds actually I, I did manage to buy it
0: wow and that was in 204 right that was qu- quite some time yeah. yeah so okay you get the house um what and you're, you're getting settled moving in what what started to happen at first was it little things that you started to notice like you know like...
3: um yeah I, th- I think i think it was little things but things i that i knew weren't right and weren't normal um, you know, even little things, you can't always put down to a breeze gusting through the house or a trick of the light or I'm tired or, you know, or I've had a glass of wine. So many things you can't put down to, um, you know, science and and, and factual things. And it, and it started happening straight away, pretty much straight away. But, of course, I'd sunk all my money into it. I didn't have a fiver left, so... I was where I was. It got a lot worse over time, but pretty much straight away, I thought, oh, God, I'm in, I'm in trouble here.
0: You had a, originally, you had a friend staying with you, right?
3: Yeah, I had Nicole living with me
0: Nicole.
3: at the start. Yeah, so she was there for the first sort of like probably not quite a year, but she was there at the start with me. Yeah, which of course made it easier because when you're <clears throat> in a house with someone and something happens, then if there's somebody else there, it's never as scary. It's because, because you're not on your own. Right. And yeah, and you also have that verification from another witness. Well, of course, and that's the thing. And, and Nicole would never seen the dead sheep. She wasn't that type of person at all. Yeah. Um, and then when she was saying, Did you just see that? or you know, and she was saying things I it, it it just boosted what I already knew anyway. I, right. I never I never for one second thought I was going mad. I never for one second thought it was a trick of the light. I knew within my core of my soul, I knew straight away that I picked a house that I may may not have done if I'd have realized what was gonna happen.
0: When did you realize all oh, that? Okay, you knew it was haunted and it was uh spirits in there, but what What was it that tipped it to where you knew it was something demonic you were dealing with? I mean, what was the big thing that...
3: Well, the demonic thing came later, actually. And the demonic thing was only really discovered by June, years later. But let me tell you the first thing that really, really I knew. I got home from work, and I went into the kitchen, and on the side... Was uh, an A4 bit of paper in plain view, so of course you'd go over because it wasn't there that morning. I certainly hadn't put it there. So I read. I thought, "What's this?" Thought Nicole might have left it out for me to read or something. As I'm reading this, it's the death certificate of a man who'd hung himself in there eight months before now i knew this man had hung himself in there because i wasn't living at the time but it's a small village i knew about it but i never met him it wasn't personal to me so i just god only knows why i didn't pay any attention to it but i just didn't um the fact they'd killed himself in there just just before i moved in but i've read it and it was his death certificate mm. and i'm I'm thinking jesus and a bit fl- i'm quite ashamed to admit this but it's the truth when i was reading it he would had killed himself just before halloween and I didn't know any of this, so I'm reading it and thinking, oh, you know, you should have waited till Halloween, you know, because it wasn't personal to me. I, it, I'm just being honest. It was the first things I thought. You know, I didn't know the man. I didn't know anyone who knew him. I, I mean, Nicole did, and a lot of the villagers did, but he was a, a fella in the pub, you know. Um, so I thought, oh, God, that's it. So I was reading it, so I, I read all the details of his death, and I thought, oh, where did Nicole find this? So... Um, Nicole came in from work, and I said, oh, where did you find this? Well, she'd never seen it. Now, Nicole's the type of girl, she there always has to be a stand by brown paper bags because she goes hysterical over the, the silliest of the thing, you know, overheats and over breathes and has to blow into the bag. And she's yeah. scared of everything. So, as I say in the book, a lot of the time, the start I, I didn't tell her anything because I, I, I knew, and, and also she had cancer at the time, to be honest, as well. Oh. And she hadn't had her cancer off at that time. She had a huge tumour. So i definitely know she wouldn't have done it so of course our, our first thought is right okay jesus somebody's broken in somebody's broken in they're playing a trick this and that so we checked every single window every door nobody had broken in there was nothing but the thing that struck me about it straight away it was perfectly there wasn't a crease on it there was nothing there wasn't a wrinkle or a crease now the people that live there before me Clint and Carol, they'd only been there about four or five months before again they they sold the house and they left. Before so, because the house has changed hands so many times, it's ridiculous. So I'm thinking, well, it probably blew up from a side of a cabinet that from a gust of wind. Because you always think this, always think, okay, how's it got there? Right, somebody's broken in, and then when we know nobody's broken in, okay, um, Nicole's found it when Nicole hasn't found it, it's a gust that. There's always got to be some, you know, explanation because, of course, you don't want it to be what it is. Um, But Clint and Carol, they'd already moved out. And, of course, they'd had the house cleaned and I cleaned the house. And I knew in my head it hasn't blown up from the side of a cabinet. I knew that. But, of course, you have to explore every possibility. Um, So I'm just going to jump forward slightly. So we we never discovered anything about it at the time. I showed lots and lots of people in the village because I was saying, oh, my God, look at this, look at this and then one day people were around and they said um, "Oh, let's have a look at it so I've gone to get it which I kept at the same place all the time and in fact it was that earlier on my mortgage papers were still out okay. and so I put it on top of the mortgage papers so, I, so I'm literally talking weeks and it wasn't there and I anyway I I never knew where it went never found it again but skipping back skipping back a few years after I'd left the house his wife who'd hung himself she said she, she emailed me and she said listen I know his death, his suicide in that house, goes towards the history of it. But why are you saying you had a death certificate? Because there's no way you could have had one. And I said to her, okay, listen, I need. I want to talk to you. Can you come over? She came around my house. We spent two or three hours together. And I said, why are you say that? And she said, well, let me tell you. She said, he had no other living relatives. He was adopted. I was the only one. When I found him hanging, I left the house that minute. I never went back. She said, I didn't even pack up my own stuff. Um, and the death certificate after the autopsy and everything else was sent to my other address she said there was never a copy you couldn't have had one so i said to her okay right well you live in our village you need to speak to Then reeled off 10 15 people's names and said listen i'm telling you the truth but please don't take my word for it go and speak to that one that one speak to all of them because so many people saw it and it was what it was she said that i i couldn't have had one because there would never have been one sent to the cage in the first place. But of course I had it. Right. But And then, it, you know, crazy.
0: So it more or less kind of just manifested itself into into the cage, huh?
3: Yeah, which, which of course at the time I didn't understand. Wow. But since then, I've, I, I've learned that things can be A-ported and that can happen. Of course, at the time, I kind of knew because it was the only explanation left. Right. Right. Uh, I had never had personal experience of that. I, I've, I've seen things as a child that are already there that turn up in different places and fly across the room, but I hadn't ever had anything that I'd never seen before materialize. But as June will probably explain to you, that can happen. And that is something that she would be an expert on. But um, yeah, a, a, and and that did happen.
0: When was the first time you actually, I know you had an encounter with uh, a shadow type being, or maybe several encounters. Yeah. Was that early yeah. on?
3: It was early on, and it was all the way through. It just got worse and worse and worse as I lived there. Mm-hmm. One of the most interesting things was my friend, Neil. Um, he was a sergeant major in Afghanistan at the time, and his job was to process the Taliban. He worked with the SAS. That was his job at the time. And my friend, best friend Kirsty, she, she runs a cancer ward. She's been a nurse since you know she qualified from school, and now she runs she runs the wards in the hospitals for cancer treatment. So, and she does blood cancer. So, they came over. Neil was on leave from Afghanistan. We walked into the house, went through to the kitchen, put boiled the kettle, made a cup of tea, sat back down. So, what you talking four or five minutes probably for that to happen. We're sitting in the front room, and where they where the door was, there was laminate flooring at the time. And it's all beams, so you have to literally duck through to get into the front room to walk through to the kitchen. Um, we sat back with a coffee, and Neil said to me, "Ness, what's all that blood over there?" Honestly, I ignored him. I'm talking to Kirsty. I thought, well, there isn't any blood. You just walked through there five minutes ago. So I kind of ignored him. I was carrying talking to Kirsty. He got up, and this this man is huge. He's a really big man, and he was bending over and he was touching this blood. And he anyway, so then he got our attention so we we, and there were blood splatters now they weren't smears if you can imagine there's a pipette and you just you know and if you if you you put droplets and there was big ones there small ones but there were loads of them now if it was there when they walked in they would walk through it because the space was so small two people can't walk through the hallway at the same time it has to be single file because it's it's small and there was blood splatters so of course Neil's doing his sergeant major thing he's touching the walls he's checking the windows has a bird flown in that's injured has a cat jumped through that's hurt and jumped back out you know he's doing what, what most men would scientific brain trying to work it out well we did everything we looked at everything there was nothing and in the end he turned around and said Ness what the F is going on in this house the interesting thing was which I only realized days later Kirsty really had a go at Neil. and she said why have you touched that why have you touched that and at the time I didn't think anything of it it was only days later I said why did you have a go at him she said "Ness, she said he's trained in in medical he's touching blood he should never touch blood without gloves on and it was only then she's a she's a blood nurse and she was that convinced it was blood herself she refused to touch it and had a go at him why are you doing that because of course a blood disease you're trained you're, you're you're trained in the army you know not to do that why have you done it and and it appeared And it just just appeared within four or five minutes of walking through, making a cup of tea, coming back out, and uh, and it was just there. And at the time, of course, Neil was in, in, in you know, Sergeant Major, and he didn't go public and say anything about it. But since he's left, he said, well, listen, anyone wants to tell me I'm a lunatic, I'll be telling them because I'm of sound mind. I'm a soldier. She's a cancer nurse. And we and they've both gone on an interview since and said, it material. you know, you couldn't really get two more credible witnesses than two people like that.
0: Right. That is insane.
3: So that was just one thing out of many and many. But it was one of the first things where I thought, Jesus, you know, what, what you know when you get blood splatters and honestly i didn't tell anyone for ages because you watch amateurville and all these programs and i thought people will think i'm a lunatic
0: yeah and it was one
3: of those things oh Oh, yeah i've got blood splatter really ness okay whatever you know people would never believe that what
2: what did you what did you do with the blood i mean did you have to clean it up or did it disappear i didn't catch that part no we cleaned it
3: up. up just cleaned it up we didn't think about the significance at the time. It was just one of those things, you know, years later, people say, why didn't you collect it and put it in a file and have it analyzed? But you don't do that at the time. You just are terrified. You clean it up and you sit there and you think, Jesus, what's just happened? You know, yeah.
0: obviously things started ramping up because um, you were there, what, a total of three years you lived in yeah. this. And yeah. what, okay. I know at one point you had Richard Estep, the, um, the author you co-wrote the book with. He came in with a team. Was that why you were still living there?
3: No, no. He came in a couple of years ago. He stayed for four days. Okay. Um, he, he contacted me from America saying he wanted to write a book on the cage. And I said, well, I've already got one. You know, I'm, I've done it myself. So we agreed to uh, do a joint one. I actually have one, all of my own words, the story from, start, from the very start till, till present day now, which I'm still kind of finishing off. So that is the real story, in my only words, from start in start to finish. But yeah, Richard came for for four days and then went back to America. Um, so yeah, yeah, he came over.
0: And I know they had some uh, pretty pretty interesting experiences on their own in there during that time. Um, yeah, a, uh, you you wouldn't have
3: to you wouldn't have to be an investigator or someone looking for it to get it. There were many times I had people that were just around for evenings that would, or or, or plan to come around to spend the night and said, Nessa, I can't stay here. The house is too bad. So you wouldn't actually have to be looking for it to find it in that house.
0: It would find you.
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what was it then that,
0: I understand when you're in a situation, you have nowhere else to go. You, you have no money. That is your life right there in that house. So what was it that finally got you to real, uh, you know, that got you out of the house?
3: The final thing was, I'd changed completely as a person, and I knew that something... Well, I, I don't know if I did know, to be honest. I think I was so downtrodden by it. But I was living in... I'd had a baby, my son Jesse, and I was living in just the upstairs bedroom. So I'd come in from work, straight up the stairs. I'd have flasks of tea. I had uh, a potty, uh, you know, gazunda as we call it in England, underneath the bed. I, I wouldn't leave the room. So everything I had was in this room. I couldn't leave the room I look back now and the analogy would be if you feel in danger you'd roll yourself up to a ball and make yourself as small as possible for me I thought if I can just stay in one place and not expose myself to the rest of the house it would just be safer for me so the house was redundant and it was like it for a long time but one day I had run out of ironing and I couldn't obviously I couldn't have my ironing board in the bedroom it was far too small. So I thought, right, I need to go and iron some clothes for work. And I remember thinking I've got to get out of the room. But another point is everywhere I went in the house, I took Jesse with me. I never would dream of thinking, oh, I'll leave him in his cot to sleep and I'll check him on the monitor. I I knew the house wasn't safe, so where I went, he went. But this one time, I thought, I'm going to iron three things. He's asleep. It was in the evening time, you know, early evening. And I thought, okay. So I went downstairs. (laughs) into the prison room where the prisoners were kept, in the cage room. And I turned on the iron quick. I literally had three things I needed to iron for the next day. And um, Jesse had these Thomas the Tank Engine, little train sets, these train toys, where you would have, they're battery operated and you'd have to turn them on. And then when you turn them on, they would obviously chug around making, you know, playing a tune. So the ironing board set up, and this is, and believe me, this is taking me seconds, minutes to do this. I'm doing it very fast. Started doing one of the ironing, and all these Thomas the Tank engines have come out, and they're literally, um, they're they're chugging around my feet and around the ironing board, and I just thought, no, 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 no. And people asked me what I thought, and my first thing was anger. I was so angry with myself that I'd come out of my room. I was so angry. I'm like Ness, you you should have known, you should have known, you should have known. I turned the iron off. I grabbed the iron I had. I ran through the front room, and to get up the stairs, there's an old-fashioned low wooden door with an iron latch. I opened the door to go upstairs, and there was a man standing at the top of the stairs. Now, he wasn't like the others I'd seen. The others I'd seen were in old-fashioned clothing, and this man wasn't. He was in, like, beige trousers and a white shirt. And the, the issue with is, at that one, what, that one time only I'd left Jesse upstairs, I thought, it's going to be five minutes, it'll be okay, and it wasn't okay. Um, and he was there, and so, of course, I, 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 I got to Jesse. I had to, and then I just realized then it got too close for comfort because he was standing in between me and my baby, and, you know, lots and lots of things happened, but I think that was a final thing where I thought I've got to get out of here, if, if not only for my sake, um, for his, because he hasn't got a choice in this. He didn't ask to be born into this house, and I couldn't risk him, so I had to leave. Wow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever have any direct like say dialect with any of these other apparitions? Like did any of them ever speak to you or no. no.
3: Nobody ever spoke. I I I I saw them a lot. It was constant. The activity was constant. But don't forget the time. I was so terrified of I I never would have been in a position where I even would have wanted. I mean it's different now. Um I've learned a lot but at the time, I I no, I would never have even no nobody ever spoke to me. Nobody they probably did telepathically but you know i never heard a voice saying this or that no because it's complete fear it's utter utter fear when you're on your own and and, don't forget this was a hostile active haunting that went on for a year day after day i've always seen ghosts i'm okay with that i've always had unusual things i've I've been i'm okay with it i'm always okay with it but this if you would have told me that there could be such a haunting of that magnitude that was that changed me completely i would have said well i don't believe in it i would have not known enough and i'd have said i don't believe in it so you got to understand towards the, the last year <clears throat> it was uh I, i'd completely changed as a person you know it was it was just horrible it was just it was really really bad to be honest
0: oh sure it breaks you down I,
3: yeah,
0: I yeah. Understand. Oh, did, yeah um so i know then too you had um You had let some other uh, investigators in there and a few other mediums who really didn't make much headway. So how did June first come about coming to help you with this?
3: Well, after I'd left the house, um, it wasn't long before people, because the reputation of the house had gone before me, which, of course, I didn't know. And somebody said, can I do some paranormal investigating? So then the house was basically with paranormal investigators coming in, doing research in there and everything else. Also, the SPR, the Society of Psychical Research, in London, they came to the house. So it 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 actually got very famous um, as as the years went on. Um, through no I didn't court that at all, it came to me. Right. Um, and all these paranormal groups used to say, Yeah, I've cleared the house, it's okay, fine, now it's all right now. And then the next group would go in an EVP, there's children again crying for their mums, you know. The house was the same, it never changed. And over the last over 10 years. I just thought, you can't change it. It is what it is. It's a bad house. I'm just going to say just quickly, in between all this time, my sister's a historian, and when the lady, Phil's wife, who'd hung himself, came to see me, she had all the um, deeds to the house over hundreds of years, which she'd never passed on when it was sold. And my sister, being a historian, she she, she looked at all that, because I can't understand this old-fashioned writing, she looked at it all, and she said, Vanessa, do you realise that this house for over 400 years has been up for sale on average every three and a half years. And her being a historian understood the gravity of that and I'm like, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, don't you understand, you know, going back years, your house would stay in the family generation after generation after generation. They didn't have estate agents. You couldn't sell a house. So on the deeds, there was one man who'd bought the house for 150 pounds and sold it weeks later for 100 pounds. Now you'd have to ask yourself: in these days, that's 50 grand here. Right. You'd have to say, well, why would you do that anyway? Ev- everyone did, and as it transpired, of course, although I've owned the house since 2004, I personally could only live in there for three years, and then it explains it on historical fact. So just to, just to go back. I, when I say to people, well, if you don't believe it, okay, fine, if you don't, but you, you can't deny history. Why did generations and generations of people over nearly 400 years sell that house every three and a half years on average?
0: I'm surprised it wasn't so, a shorter time. I'm surprised it wasn't a year in between.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so so getting back to, to your question. So everyone has said they can do this, they can do that for the house. I had two people, two sets of families renting out after I'd left. They didn't last six months in there, so I realised there was nothing I could do. So I had a an email or a message from, and don't wow. I forget, all in this time, I have all these people. I can help your house. I can cure your house. I can do it for a thousand pounds. I can do it for two p. Oh yeah. And I mean, from every religion you can imagine, every, 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 you know, I all million ways to do it. You had a vicar
0: you had a yeah, vicar had, from the Church of England yeah, at
3: one time. Yeah, I did the local vicar. Yeah, every, is- yeah everyone tried everything, so so nothing ever worked. So, um, and you know, it. I knew there was something. This is different, difference. I'm I'm okay with ghosts, but I knew there was something bad in the house. So I knew it in in my soul. There was something bad with the house, and every time I had to go back in there, the bad was still there. I could feel it. It made me physically sick. I could feel it. So. And I just got, I mean, in the end, I just used to read the messages and just ignore them because you can imagine it had been on TV by then 16 times and then I've got everyone wants to come and do something. Right. But just for some reason, I read June's. I don't know why she, listen, I I can help you. I think I can help you. My name is June. You know, she gave me some details on herself and God knows why, but I I replied to her and I, I struck a conversation with her, which I'd long stopped doing, to be honest. Um... And she said, you know, I'll probably let her tell you what she said and and how it finished, but I just trusted her. I brought into her. I don't know why. I I do know why now because I was supposed to. Right. But nobody else had been able to do anything. So she said to me, listen, I can help you. I am going to help you. Um, I'm in London soon. She was in England at the time or coming to England soon. And um, I couldn't work out a position where she could cut, you know, she's quite a way away. So she said, well, don't worry. I'm going to do it absently from where i am so i'm thinking all right okay love yeah well you're the same as 300 other people that say they can do it and of course honestly i just got to be honest about it i thought well all right then we'll see and she managed to do what nobody else in years and years and years even being there managed to do now there are still ghosts there Because as she'll explain to you, they will have free will to stay. But the demon, the negative, the horrific thing that was attacking me and attacking lots of other people, she got rid of. So really now is when she would explain that all to you because obviously she's the expert.
1: Um, I actually was in London at the time. It was like the second day that I got there. And I got an email from a friend saying, you know, give me a call. And I said, I text her back and said listen you know I'm in England I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be calling you back anytime soon. <laughs> and she says well there's this woman maybe you can help her and this is her name and she's on Facebook so send her a message and and maybe you can help her. I'm thinking okay fine you know because I never take a vacation where it's actually a vacation there's usually something I have to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: So um, I uh, So I text Vanessa, I sent her a message on Facebook, and I'm like, and I go off to the Tower of London, me and my son, and, you know, have our day, and then I come back, and I got a response from her, and I told her, I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I said, the minute I connect with you, I said, I know what's there, I said, I know what it is, I said, it's a demonic, it's fortunately a lesser demon, I said, where do you live, and she told me, and I'm like, wow, I can't get over there, so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just remove it from here tonight. And she's like, uh, okay, whatever, you know. And I'm like, so I told my son, I said, listen, I'm going to go down the treadmill, going to be doing a removal while I'm on the treadmill, you, you know, kind of watch the phone for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I get on the treadmill, and I open myself up, and I actually go in and see what's there. And I'm like, oh, you know, this, that, that's, you know, lesser demon, really? I said, bite me, you're not gonna stay here, I'm not gonna let you stay here. You know, but it's, I just took it out. And it's like, the, the reason I can take them out so easily is because, you know, when I died in a motorcycle accident,
0: okay.
1: I was shown who and what I was. And Michael the Archangel was there and said, listen, this is the reason why you've had this experience, because you need to understand who and what you are. And you need to be doing God's work so this is why you're having this death experience and so he says this is who you are you're Ariel the archangel you were sent back to live physical world lives until you learn to have compassion for mankind because you've lost your compassion for man I guess what Michael showed me was Ariel removing a demon from a woman and the woman died and then God said basically that's that's you know that's it. You really need to start going back and reliving lives until you learn to have compassion. So over the years Michael has taught me how to bring Ariel forward and remove these demons. People that are with me when this happens says that my eyes turn white and my face turns a completely different configuration and You know, I can remove them in a matter of seconds. And so that's how I do it from a distance. If it's a lesser demon like this was, I can do it from a distance. If it's an old one, I have to physically be there to remove it. But it's really not hard for me, and it doesn't take me long. And um, I'm never alone. Either Michael's with me or Gabriel's with me. So it's like, you know, we got all of our bases covered. And I told her, I said, you know, it's gone now. So don't worry about it. I said there's some little minion guys running around doing stuff, but just stage the place and it'll be gone. And it's it's that's the way it is. Wow, that's
0: intense. I don't even I don't even know uh can't formulate a response. That is so uh... <laughs>
2: Well, I I mean, I'm just impressed that you can do that and the treadmill too, because I get myself to actually do the treadmill. So <laughs> I commend you for for being the ultimate multitasker.
1: I kind of zone out
0: <laughs> do you actually can you when you're in this mental state, do you, can you do you communicate with them? I, you know do you you tell them get I, out and they I, respond or
1: um, when I'm in the mental state, I go into it it's like you know you can your soul can leave your body and still retain you know it can still function. So basically, I send Ariel to the house itself. Okay. And she grabs it by the throat (laughs) and put shoves it down where it needs to go. And you know, if there's more than one, then Gabe gets one or Michael will get one, and we'll just corral them. And I, I don't. uh, It's not hard for me. It's I have no doubt, absolutely no doubt. When this is going on i do not have conversations with them because they have nothing to say that i want to hear you know people ask me you know don't you talk to them and i'm like why they have nothing to say that i want to hear i just want you know ariel just wants to go in rip them out and and I'm leave <laughs> yeah well she don't care i get their name each time yeah but i, but I never say the name what right. what um
2: uh what can you tell us about uh, about the right of exorcism in the Catholic Church, you know, from your perspective? Because, you know, in, in the research that I've done, um, it, it's sometimes a lifelong process for the possessed. Exactly. Um, you know. And, yeah, I want to hear what, what your uh, perspective
1: on it is. I've asked Michael about that I'm like Michael come on you know I've seen priests have to go at it for days and weeks and months and years even yeah and I'm like what's up with that I said how come it just takes me a few minutes and he's like stop and think about it when you go in it's not your physical consciousness that takes over he says it's aerial that takes over that's totally different Ariel has no doubts absolute faith and no weaknesses so I said well you know you think in priests they're gonna have you know absolute faith and he says yes they may have absolute faith but all it takes is that kernel of doubt can I do it Uh, it's taking too long Um, I don't know if I can do this you know am I good enough that's all it takes. And these things know. They find that chink in your armor and they're like, bite me, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to leave. Right. And they also yeah.
0: know perhaps maybe some past sin of the priest. They
1: do. They do. They know everything. It's like people say, well, you know, I was watching, I, for laughs, I watched Ghost Adventures. And it was he was doing the um, Amityville house. And the daughter of the priest that had removed it was talking to them and he was saying something about he says my father knew that these that demons know your future I'm like duh demons know your future they know if you're going to be a light worker they know what you're going to be doing that if you work for God and those are the people they want to dissuade and turn away from God and I'm like you know they know your future and they know your weaknesses. You know, mine, I don't like spiders. So they try to show, the demonics try to show themselves as spiders. And I'm like, it doesn't work with me. You know, it doesn't work. I see you as you truly are. I said, you're nasty. I said, so bite me. You know, I'm gonna take you out anyway.
0: (laughs) Speaking of Catholic priests and and, uh, the right, I I had a uh, question for uh, Vanessa. Uh, Maybe you Mm -hmm. might know this. I know on Richard's team, uh, one of his team members, uh, Richard claims uh, he was a, a priest, a Catholic priest. Was yeah, Stephen, he, yeah, Stephen, yes. Stephen, um, yes. Was he an actual Roman Catholic priest or was he perhaps like from an offshoot? There's a few other sects that aren't really sanctioned by the Vatican. I, I, I'm not trying to undermine or discredit him. I was just curious
3: I don't know, to be honest. Okay. Um, I would imagine it was a, a, an, an offset. I, I don't know, but Stephen knew when he walked in there, and he said the same demonic. And he tried to do the stuff that he would do to get rid of it, but he knew straight away. And anyone with, um, you know, the, these abilities, or or even you know, half a brain, I, th- I think to be honest, you know, when you go into a house, it's, it's such a difference between <clears throat> ghosts. Um, and bad. It's yeah. such a difference. It's a world away. You can feel it. You know it. I mean, I've right. been seen dead dead since I was a child, and I knew. And I changed so much. I never would have changed <clears throat> that much because of ghosts. Because I was used to them. It, it wasn't about that. You know, I was used to them. I'd seen them since I was a child. You know, I wasn't believed when I was a child, and I've had it all my life. It that wasn't that wasn't that was there. And Stephen knew um, when he walked in there. And and lots of people have getting rid of them is another matter, but lo- lots of people knew.
0: Well, I was just wondering because uh, a a Catholic priest would not have used Ouija boards and uh, done the uh, the human pendulum. Yeah, no, I mean,
3: he, wasn't a pr- <laughs> he wasn't a he wasn't a he wasn't a practicing with a church or anything like that. Okay. I don't know what kind of offspin he was, but I'm, right. I'm sure he hasn't got his own church. Otherwise, I don't think he'd be able to come. But yeah, wow. Sam Offspin is a like, lovely fella, actually, really nice. But he knew, he knew straight away.
0: Yeah, they uh, they had some quite of an experience, and they're trying to to, to deal with that. So now, okay, yeah. you remove the demonic June, and there's still, as you said, you know, ghosts from from times past. Oh yeah, class.
3: yeah.
0: Um, and Vanessa, you still own the house, right? You you haven't.
3: Yeah, I still own it. I was there. You know, it's just as haunted as it always was. It's so active in there. You know, I was actually in there last night. You know, the funny thing is, I've lost my fear of going in there. Oh, that's
2: good.
3: Before, before June removed that, I wouldn't go back in the house. And it's only, it's only kind of like last year I've started going back in there because I feel, you see, I can handle ghosts. I can handle that. Um, although it terrified me and scarred me in lots of ways for for a few years. But my. Um, bravery is back in a way and I I will go back in the house now because I know that evil's not there and actually I know that if it comes back I just need to to ring June so I'm kind of okay with it but yeah the house is really really active you know there's a portal there Um, it's an ancient village I think the dead flock there and and it's it's still you could go in there now and things fly across the room and the lights go on and off and and your machinery I'll give an example um, last year I had um, Japanese. They flew over for a, to, to, i filmed with the Japanese four times now, and they filmed over to make a program. So you've got two, um, two, um, you know, a director and a producer holding cameras. We were in there a couple of hours. The house was going mad, and the Japanese guy started screaming at one point. <clears throat> and we obviously we couldn't understand what he was saying. He was screaming in Japanese. Anyway, when he rewound the camera, we could see a ghost on the the camera and the, the producer Hanako who was, um could speak English as well she's she said he's really panicking he's always wanted to see a ghost now we've caught one on camera he's having a breakdown anyway the whole thing was just crazy for a few hours we went outside for a break and, and Hanako said i'm just gonna go and review the footage now don't forget we, we'd reviewed it in the cage a few times because i kept on rewinding it look at this look at this when they'd she came back in no footage On both cameras, all the footage was completely wiped, completely gone. So she said, right, we've got to send it back to Japan quick. They need to retrieve this. You know, they flew over for the day. They were flying back. Literally, they came over just to do the cage. Um, She said, don't worry. We're going to send the footage back to Japan now. They'll be able to retrieve it. We'll get it back. Japan came back saying, we haven't recorded anything on either cameras. We're like, well, we have because we've been watching it for the last two and a half hours. But, you know. Yeah. That's that's an example of that's an example of what of what it's like now and and what it w- probably will be like in a few weeks' time. You know, it's just it's just extremely active. It's extremely haunted from 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 everything. But just luckily, the, the destructive black dark energies are gone now. Thank God. Thanks to June. But the rest is still there. So. Can anyone come and visit? Because it sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> yeah, you can come and visit, yeah. Anyone can come still. I said The house is actually up for sale, um, but I still own it. And until it's sold, people can still come and paranormal groups can investigate, yeah. Yeah, people can come. Oh, that, that's great. That's, uh, I've got
2: that, to do something with it. Come yeah, I, I, I said that that's a
3: uh, great way to offset the costs. You know, while you're waiting to sell, I would think. that's the thing. I mean, of course, I've I've had a mortgage on it ever since I brought it. That hasn't changed. I haven't got enough money to pay off a mortgage. And because I tried renting it out, I tried selling it, none of that's worked. So, of course, in the really real world, I don't earn the money where I can afford a mortgage and a rent. So it has to pay for itself. Uh, uh, And again, I'll say, I never courted that. I never went to the media and the press. They came to me. So the whole thing's by pure fluke anyway. But luckily, it it pays for itself now but um you know it's just one of those properties people go there and they want to come back because it's always so active june Ooh, oh, you, i'm
0: sorry go ahead oh i was just going to ask june if uh she checks in on the place or, or would you know would you know oh, yeah. instantly if it returned
1: i i check in on the place and and Vanessa's given me a call a time or two, and I've had to do some more removals because of, you know, people bring in things with them. People, mm. you know, do witch boards, things like that, and right. people fail to realize that if you open the door, open the portal with the witch board or seance or whatever, you got to close it. Don't leave mm. it open. Well, and that irritates me. I'm going back to England in September for a couple of weeks. And yeah, gonna visit Vanessa and a, another friend of mine, and have some good time. I'm thinking about doing something with the Monk House, like oh. removing the like removing the demon that's there.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Upon a fest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, that group. There was a group in there too, right, Vanessa?
0: Uh, the group that um. That dealt with that that case with with the monk.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, 22 East Drive. To that's be honest, it. I've. Uh, from what I've heard of investigators have gone, they never find too much. Um, I know the cage is a lot more active location than that. I don't really know too much about it. I've watched all the programs, but I know people that have been to both and also the ancient Ram Inn. When the people have been to the three most famous locations, which is the cage at the ancient Ram Inn and 22 East Drive, they always say the cage is worse than the, the rest of them. So I've never been to the other two myself, so, so I can't really say, but yeah, I... I I don't think they're quite as active as the gauge. Hartford Court
1: was uh, interesting when I went there with Howard Hughes of the Unexplained Files. and mm. I did a removal there, and then we went out later to the garden and and did our interview because they said, oh, you know, we, we don't... Because he asked them, you know, can I do the interview with the walkthrough <laughs> and everything? And they're like, no, we don't want to be thought of as a ghost place. But yet at, at uh, Halloween, they ghost it up. We play it up, so. yeah. So, uh,
2: do, uh I, I want to ask you about, you know, your abilities. I mean, uh, uh, how is it that you even have time to talk to us? I mean, aren't there, well, I don't know. I mean, how many demons do we have
1: about? Uh, Unfortunately, I have one. I have a removal to do in, oh. on, uh, at 1 o'clock my time east, uh, west coast. Which would be probably another hour, or so. Yeah. It's it's almost 11 now. I have one to yeah. do clock. I get I get I did a show called uh, Round Zero with Clyde Lewis. Oh yeah. And he did a four-hour special on me called Demon Seer, and uh, I got like I was overwhelmed with over like in the first week over 200 people re- <laughs> requesting help. <laughs> for removals and things like that and to look into things and it took me weeks to get through all that and i work full time as a nurse so you know oh okay
2: so yeah i mean that that's significant you work full time as a nurse in addition to these removals i mean are you do you ever run into demons uh in your other life as a nurse
1: no no it's like they know i'm there so they don't even go there <laughs> and i have my my uh work is right in front of a graveyard that dates back to the 1700s <laughs> i'm like really i don't do graveyards thank you
3: <laughs> what i do want to say is um june had known and i spoke to her about i've seen the dead since i was a child so i obviously had some type of ability seen and heard them now with june's help over the last year i've um I'm now able to, to cross over the earthbound. I have a lot better communication. And now the fear has gone because I was always very scared of it. But with her training, and to be honest, you know, I asked her, well, c- can you help me? Right. Because I'm seeing the stuff all the time I have since a child. Can you just help me? Can you mentor me? And she said, yeah, I can. So she spoke to me on the phone. She rang me at her expense a couple of times a week, and she she has done ever since for almost a year now. And from what she's told me to do and her guidance, I am literally, um, you know, I, I can do lots and lots of things. I've always been able to see and hear them, but now I can cross them. I can communicate with them properly. And of course, if I'd have had that in the cage, we would be it would be a different story now. But um, so so we've kind of, you know, got an extra bond because she's now taught me, um, you know, how to deal with it. And I'm kind of going along June's, you know, path now as well where I'm doing God's work. And I've actually just... Yeah, and I've just asked June, and me and, and, and a very good friend and a talented person, Debbie Burnham, along with June, now in England, are tr- going to try and help people and go to places that do need cleansings, that do need removals, because June's basically given me the courage and, and, and also the information to, to do it. And guess what? When she says it, it happens, that's the weirdest thing. You can imagine I've I've done eighteen TV shows, I still got more to come out and still more more to do. And I've met every person out there that wants to be my friend who wants to be, you know, this, that and the next person. And and June was genuine about everything she said and her abilities. And she's taught me so much. Um, so now I'm in a position off the back of June to go out and help other people that have been like me. That they're that, that are in houses that are haunted where nobody believes them or they're too scared to say or it can't get rid of. So now me with between me, Debbie and June, um, we're gonna go out and help other people that's in that's been in the same position as me.
0: That's great.
3: Yeah, oh. so it was kind of all worth something in the end, I suppose. Right. Well, I look at it now, it it was all for a reason
0: for me yeah. to learn
3: this, for me to now help others, yeah.
0: But, yeah, you had to go through hell to get to this point. Um, would, you God, ever, yeah, yeah. would you ever consider now moving back in there since you, you're God, better- no,
3: no, 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 no. I'll be on the street before I ever move back in the house, no. Okay. No. <laughs> too, too much bad happens. No, too much bad happened. Right. Um, and and the, I, I, the, the house will always be what it is, so no, ne- never. Oh, believe me, I'd have been back in there years ago if that was the case. There was a point where I didn't have anywhere to live, and I still refused to go back in there, and the house was empty. So that will tell you.
0: At those times when uh, when you were living uh, away from there, I know you were staying with a friend for a while and and so on. Did anything follow you outside when you were staying somewhere else?
3: Yeah, only when I moved out. Only for a few days, though. I think it was gone after a week. The activity in her house was, was particularly good you know nasty and then it petered off so i think it did but i think it, it went back to the cage it only followed me for a while and then after that it was fine it, it was fine apart from the, the normal stuff i see anyway which i have from a child but nothing from the cage
0: and you're gonna put you're gonna work on this uh your book still further you're gonna put that out soon
3: yeah that's gonna be called secrets of the cage because obviously spirits of the cage is out to buy now and am by Richard Estep and Vanessa Mitchell, which is me. Right. And But that's not the full story. I, I want people to know the full story up until now, up until modern day. And that will be called Secrets of the Cage. Um, so I just need to get a publisher. There's a couple of publishers interested, but I haven't really pursued anything at the moment. So to be honest, it's really open to options as we speak. But that is the full story from start to finish. And that is a read. I mean, Jesus, that is that that, there's not a detail left out i spent three years writing it that's everything and it's terrifying to me and when i was writing it i'd sit in my office crying crying tears down my face remembering what i had to go through so it'll be a bit of a heavy read but but it's true It happened to me, and I've been very, very careful not to exaggerate or embellish anything because the problem is I haven't got a good memory. And if you lie about one thing, you've got to carry it on for the rest of your life. And everything in there is absolute fact. It's all true, and it's all my words, you know, words as it came out of my mouth.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you that. If um, now, you know, with all that in hindsight, if it's still, is it hard for you to talk about? Because obviously you relive it every time you talk about it. Um, can you-
3: Sometimes it's when I have to doing an interview like this is okay because I don't really go deep. You know, we'd need 20 hours to go deep, deep into it. But when I'm talking about it like this, it's fine. But especially with the book, when I had to really put myself back there to remember how I felt, how scared I was, how I changed, how I didn't want to, how I couldn't cope anymore. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, I think I think when you look back in your worst experiences, whether it's a death of a, a loved one. Um, Or anything like that, it's hard to go back and remember it completely. And I've had to do that because, listen, it's a warning. People need to know. And don't be scared to ask for help and don't think you're going mad and don't think you're just going to sit in there and top yourself because there is help out there. You know, that's my message, really. People need to know this exists. This is real. Yes, it does. It's not a bloody trick of the light. It's not that you're going loony. It's not that you had a glass of wine. It's nothing about that. This is serious. This is really serious stuff. And I had to years ago I, I my first tv show was a live tv show the most popular one in this country and i thought jesus people are gonna my, my son's gonna be bullied at school they're gonna think i'm deranged and i thought no i've got to do it i've got to do because people have to know you've got to be aware you can't do ouija boards you can't do that not that i ever did that in there but people bring stuff on themselves they don't understand and people poo-hoo it and don't poo-hoo it, so that's why I need to carry on with June and with Debbie, getting these messages out. You know, yeah. listen, it's bad.
1: And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book The Dark Side of the Paranormal. I'm reading I, that now. I've Not been, now as we're talking, but... Right. <laughs> I've, been, I've been dealing with it for years, and, you know, people, over the years, people asked me so many questions, I thought, really? People need to be empowered to help themselves. They need to know what to look for, you know, what can protect you, what can't protect you. Mm. You know, the myths as well as the things that really can protect you.
2: Mm. Well, um, this is a perfect time for you to maybe tell us a couple of those things.
1: Okay, some of the myths are, you know, that you can uh, wear a cross. It doesn't have to have, it can be a plain cross. Um, that's That's false. It has to have. Uh, representation of Jesus on it it has to be a likeness not a abstract likeness but a real likeness it's one of the things that can protect you Um, of course prayer and invoking the name of God and Jesus and um, really those are the few things that can people think that crystals can protect them but they can't. I've heard people say, well, just lay down some brake dust and, you know, or tar water, and I'm like, really? Right. Where are you coming from with that stuff? You know, I've dealt with these things. I know what will work and what won't work. You know, holy water works, anointing oil works to protect. Um, When I started doing removals almost 30 years ago, you know, God says, you need something to protect the people that are involved in this kind of a demonic haunting he says I'm going to give you a recipe for what you would call black salt and I'm like okay so I wrote down everything he said to put in it and he said I will bless it at each making each step of the making of it and I will put my blessing on it so that nothing negative can uh, cross through the line so what you do is you put a line around your home or you carry some on you, or something like that. And nothing negative is allowed to cross through there. It's almost like a invisible force field. And like I said, I've used it to protect people, to protect my paranormal group. And, you know, they've, I've never had it fail. June, would you say, it, I don't know how to put this, we, we
0: know, you know, we're not meant to be. Dabbling in these things, we're not meant to, uh, in, you know, invoke spirits, yeah. to seek them. So when there's a, say, a paranormal group doing, knowingly doing this, and then say they get into some trouble and they ask for help, you know, they ask, uh, they ask God for help, they start praying. Why would He help them if they're they're knowingly doing what they shouldn't be?
1: Because they know that we're stupid.
0: Well, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, Michael says, you know, the Archangel, is like, you guys are really stupid. You got some people here that are like summoning demons and stuff. It's like, what's wrong with you people? And I'm like, Michael, I've been asking myself that for years. But he will help. It's, but people think they'll go into an investigation with no protection at all. You know, and it's like, I never understood that, you know, because you take a chance no matter wherever whatever investigation you go on, you take a chance that there might be just might be something negative there. Right. I mean, I'm not saying you're a ninety nine point nine percent of the times there's not. There's just some ghost that's like, I want out, let me out. You know, but every now and then you'll come across one. So why take that chance? Why not go in protected? Why not say prayers before you go in? Why not ask for God's protection before you go in? You know, and then his Uh, and then at the end of the investigation thank him for it you know i don't i don't see why people don't do that it's beyond me because you know i've had people with attachments that i've had to remove and i'm like really you were investigating come on give me a break well You you need to start preparing well, June, I wanted
2: to ask you. I've I've been involved in uh, investigating the recent Mothman sightings in Chicagoland. Oh, yeah. I don't know if, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if you you're aware of uh, all the reports that came out this summer. Uh, but I wanted to kind of get your take on it, uh, in terms of you know either the Mothman of Point Pleasant or uh, you know the recent sightings. You know, when you, when people see strange creatures like that, uh, you know, do you have in, any insight into what they might be seeing?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've obviously never encountered the Mothman, but I have Sasquatch. And, um, you know, this is the Northwest. I mean, you know, and we're like five minutes away from the forest. And there are, you know, I was up in Washington visiting, and they're up there. They, I can communicate with them telepathically they really don't want to have nothing to do with us. It's like they want to just be left alone. And I'm like, you know, I told them telepathically, I'm good with that, but people are stupid. So, you know, you've been better off to stay deepest, deepest in the forest as you can. So I have communicated with them and, and unfortunately UFO idiots, you know, the <laughs> yeah. the gray guys, whatever you want to call them. I don't like them. They just, you know, they, make me mad because they come down here and hurt animals and stuff but you know i don't have nothing to do with with the darn ufo guys they they piss me off but yeah uh, sasquatch I, I mean,
2: is, is cool i mean yeah I have an issue. he's real yeah. <laughs> why not so, the man, you know yeah is uh, it do you, in your um mind then is a uh, sasquatch um it is he a, a flesh and or is it a flesh and blood creature or is it more of a spirit? No, he's flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. And yeah. with with the uh grades, I know, you know, some people feel that they are demonic. Right. Um what what read do you have on that?
1: Well, I had a long discussion with Michael about that and he said, you know, he can't he just verified, validated everything that that I did. When I made him com- see, these guys communicate by telepathy and unfortunately I encountered one years ago when I first moved out into Oregon City into the country. I was um, about eight months pregnant laying on the the couch couldn't sleep about two o'clock in the morning and then I see this light streak across the sky and then turn left and then come towards my house and I'm like okay and I get this like Telepathic message, and I'm like, oh no, you don't. Uh, you know, they first were wanting to know, you know, who I was and what I did because of the the telepathic abilities, and I'm like, uh, uh, and what I saw in their mind is, there are some that are peaceful and have our best interests, and then there are the other ones that all they want to do were nothing more than, you know, a bug on a on a plate that they can pick apart and mm. examine and see what makes them tick. So, like like people, there's good ones and bad ones. Right. And uh, so I severed all communication the minute I saw that. And I keep myself closed when it comes to them.
0: But do they do they right. come from another actual dimension, or are they just are they actually from deep, 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 deep outer space?
1: They're they're come they're from another galaxy. It's okay. about. I, Michael showed me there are about three galaxies away from ours and before we uh, before humankind before we came down here we were um, we lived in another galaxy and we had physical bodies and then we evolved to the point of turning into pure energy and once we did that evidently we according to Michael we waited for everyone to you know to transition into pure energy and we traveled The stars. We traveled everywhere, looking, you know, looking at things, you know, seeing people, observing things, and then one day, you know, several thousand years later, we had decided that, you know, we'd had enough of this. We wanted to have physical bodies again. We wanted to be able to have children, to know physical love, to, you know, uh, just experience life as a physical being. that's where the division rose that's what this quote-unquote war between heaven and hell was is like you know lucifer and his followers said no we don't want that we don't want to be subject to growing old to pain to loneliness depression none of that we don't want it and so that's what started the whole you know war so to speak between the two of them and then once you know once the light won uh, god said to him I'm gonna give you exactly what you want. I'm going to, you're never going to be able to have physical body again. And they're like, we're good with that. But you're also going to be cast into darkness. You cannot stay with light bringers. And so that's over the centuries, they've gotten all pissed off at us. And that's why they're kind of down here trying to basically take us out, ruin ruin our lives. Cause they're all pissed off. I was like, you know what? That's your problem. Not mine. <laughs> I'd love to have you on maybe an,
0: on another show um, to talk about all your work in depth. If, if you'd be open to it. Yeah, sure. I've had a, a an experience once and I'd like to get your take on that too. So cool. hopefully in the future soon, whenever you're not too busy, just let me know. And, <laughs> and Vanessa too. And uh, I hope you promise me another interview when your new book comes out
3: yeah that'd be good yeah it's n- n- hopefully soon hopefully this year
0: yeah spirits of the cage is was an, uh, an excellent read i can only imagine this one's going to be uh
3: oh the next one's going to be be amazing yeah great
0: well wow this has really been something ladies i want to thank all of you for your time um, Can I just say yeah. as well, the next oh, sure, one sure, after ahead.
3: I'd left the after I'd left the cage, we dug up the floors, we found bones, we found loads of stuff, we found loads of artifacts. Again, that's all in the next book. The spirits of the cage ends where it ends, but that the next one is up, and literally up until these few weeks, it's 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 all the way through. So the next one is is awesome, and and again, I just want to tell everyone. Seriously, everything's the truth. nothing's been exaggerated. It happened and it happened to me, and it's 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 real all the way through. It's really important people know that.
0: Absolutely. I didn't want to go into I have a lot of questions, but I didn't want to go into too much detail because you don't want to give away too much of the book because people course, really yeah, they yeah. need to to read it to really they understand need to read the book, yeah yeah. Um, it's available at Amazon, of course, Barnes and Nobles. I'll, I'll have a link up to it on the show page. I'll have links Fantastic. up for you too, June, for all your work. Um, I, I remember coming across something, uh, of Vanessa, in the kitchen. There was a trap door, a nailed-up trap door.
3: No, there's, um, there's uh, um, the prison door that's in the kitchen. And... Um, there was always, there was always people said that some previous owners there was a trapdoor. We never actually found a trapdoor, but we did dig, dig underneath, and we found some stuff. I can't really say that'll be re- revealed at some, or maybe it won't. But we found stuff that, um, not a trapdoor, but a lot more interesting than that. But oh,
0: okay, wow. There's now- <laughs> only so
3: much I can say really at this point. Oh,
0: I understand absolutely.
3: No great. worries. Yeah. It's been a pleasure.
2: And and where where can they find out more information about uh, June? Like if they want to get in touch with June, or if we want to come and visit
3: you, Vanessa? Well, my email address, anyone can contact me, ask me questions. I'm on Facebook, but my email address in England is Vanessa fifty six Roman at hotmail dot co dot um and I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and various other things. But and also if somebody if somebody gets in t- touch with June, she'll tell them how to get in contact with me as well. Because I know I've across the pond, I'm not sure what you guys can do over here, you know, vice versa. So but anyone can talk to me about anything, that's fine, or come and visit.
1: Yeah, they can reach me on mysticconnections.org or my other website, demonseer.com. Uh, my books are available. I have seven books. They're available on Amazon.com, and either in print or as an ebook. Great! Thank you so much. Yes, I will have
0: all those links up for people to find it. Uh, Vanessa, you have any plans to get to the state soon?
3: Oh, I'd love to come. I'd love to come, but you know what it is? It's always the same thing: money and and everything else. One day, if one of your TV shows gets me out there to come on, I've done so many across the other parts of the world. If one of your American TV shows wants me on to have a chat, then then I can come over, and hopefully tell everyone in America. But you know what it is? I've just just got to wait for it to happen.
0: Yeah, that's true. Just I know I would love to get to England, but right now I don't see it happening. At least for quite. Quite some
2: time yeah. down the road. I'll be there in April.
0: What? Okay.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. End of
2: end of March, I should say. End of March. Um I, I'll be doing some research mainly in Kent and uh hopefully oh, about get two out. Two
3: hours away from Kent. About two yeah. hours away. Uh hopefully email hopefully, me and come and yeah, see I will. the page.
2: Yeah, I hope hopefully we'll be able to get out to London and uh Edinburgh as well. But definitely yeah. spending time in Kent.
1: I went to Edinburgh when I was there in June and it was uh, awesome. And I'll be going, I was doing some research for uh, the second of the series of my Demon Seeker books. So, I hope to, I'll be out in September for a couple oh, of weeks actually, visit. Yeah, did you get out to Greyfriars at all? No, I went to the uh, Rosalind Chapel. Oh, okay. And um, the Kelpie statues and I was visiting some friends over there and then of course went out to Wales for a little while. Um, my son wanted to see the doctor who experience big fan. Ah, (laughs) Yeah. As am I. Yeah. So we took the train out and it was awesome. Awesome. This ain't fair. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get out there soon enough. Uh,
0: I hope so. Okay. Well, the book again, spirits (laughs) of the cage is available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. So, um, People need to pick up a copy and uh, really read it and digest it and understand what uh, Vanessa went through. It's a, it's a brilliant read, a horrifying story, but a, a brilliant, brilliant one at the same time. I yeah. just want to thank you again for your time.
3: Thank okay. You. Thanks very much. Okay. Yeah. Talk to you again soon. Talk to you again yeah. soon.
0: I hope so. You promise? Promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> I Promise.
0: <laughs> okay. Great guys. Thank you so much. You take care.
1: Okay.
2: You too, all guys. Right. Bye now.
0: Thank you. Bye. All right, everybody. That is gonna do it for this edition of The Witching Hour. But we will be back here very soon, and I hope you all will be too. So, on behalf of The Witching Hour and Vanessa Mitchell, June Lundgren, and Allison Jordan, take care. Witching hour <laughs>